uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. see what's out there. Engage. I've lost contact, sir. What? Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, we will be discussing Captain Jean-Luc Picard, Star Trek The Next Generation, with the series, well, by the time this episode airs, the series will have already started airing um, the Picard series, but we're going to get into our impressions of Jean-Luc, um, starting with first episode of The Next Generation Encounter at Farpoint up to the last episode, All Good Things, and then maybe some of the films if we have time. Uh, straight away to get us kicked off, let's kick it up to the satellite. Karen, introduce us, please, to uh, Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Thanks, Larry. Um, so so a little, <clears throat> little background here, because I think it's easy nowadays because uh, Picard and Patrick Stewart are both so iconic and, and mm. well-loved. Um, but if if we go back and into into the misty shadows of time in <laughs> 1987, um, you know when Star Trek: The Next Generation was a brand new thing, um, you know it was like who is who is this Captain Picard? What is this thing? And so, um, you know when they were putting together the series, you know Gene Roddenberry at this point in time he was still very involved in putting together the show and and a lot of the people from. Uh, the original Trek, he was surrounded by those folks. He brought them together. So this was like D.C. Fontana, David Gerald, Robert Justman, uh, folks that had worked on that show. So they were they were coming up with the characters, figuring out, you know, who they would all be. And and then, of course, trying to cast the show. And so the captain is obviously a very, very important character in the show. And they were trying to figure out, you know, okay, well, they decided they wanted to have this, you know, Frenchman and he was going to be an explorer and everything. They were trying to cast the the role. And so Robert Justman, who had been a, a, a producer on the previous series, one night he and his wife go to UCLA and they go for a dramatic reading. And one of the actors there is this Patrick Stewart, this Englishman, and he had never seen him before. And he's like, wow, this guy, his voice, he's great. He's so dramatic. He would be a perfect captain. So he contacts his agent and, he, you know, can you have him come over and and do, you know, a, an audition for us, blah, blah, blah. And so they get, get Patrick Stewart there. They get Gene Roddenberry there. You know, he does the audition. He leaves. Gene Roddenberry's like, no, I don't want this guy. And so uh, they're like, oh, he's great. You know, Gene, he's like, he's bald. I don't know. I don't want this guy. It turns out that Gene Roddenberry actually wanted an actor named Stephen Mocked. Now, Stephen Mocked uh, appeared in Cagney and Lacey, but for our listeners and us, he might be more familiar as the 
dad, the cop dad from Monster Squad. Mm. So that's who he, Gene Roddenberry, wanted to play Captain Picard. <laughs> I mean, it's mind-blowing. You can't even imagine that now. But, but you know. The great uh, bird of the galaxy has spoken. It's like Tom Selleck <laughs> as Indiana Jones. Say it isn't so. I mean, I know. It's so bizarre. And some of the other people who uh, they were considering for Picard were Yafit Kato. So a great actor oh. again, but... You know, not who you would imagine, Don Meredith. So there were all these other people floating around. And wait, wait, wait. Don Meredith? Don Meredith. <laughs> the Monday Night Football uh, Don Meredith? No, no, no. This was a, another oh, okay. actor. Uh, I, I was going to say, but Don Meredith would definitely not make a good like, Wait, did I you just say Don in, Rickles? <laughs> I think he was in Conquest no, of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> anyway, so there were all these other people. And at that time, Patrick Stewart was relatively unknown. You know, he had been in the Royal Shakespeare Company and done a lot of theater work. He had been in I, Claudius, the miniseries. Um and he'd done a few movies. He'd done like Excalibur and Dune, mm-hmm. but he he was not a household name. Um, when they cast him, and it, and actually at one point they, they even brought over a wig from England and had him wear the toupee, and it looked dreadful. Mm-hmm. But when they actually cast him in the role, I mean the the more famous person in the cast was LeVar Burton. People, everybody knew right. him from Roots. You know, Patrick Stewart was like this unknown actor. But, you know, that was – he wound up getting the role. He, they, everybody convinced Gene Roddenberry, no, this guy will be good. But, you know, Patrick Stewart was like – at the time, he was like – he didn't think the show would last. He didn't unpack his bags. He was living out of his suitcases like the first season. <laughs> and and he also was super serious and the rest of the cast, you know, was joking around and he would get on their cases. And it took like a couple of seasons before he – started to relax and become comfortable. And I think you can also see it in the acting, but it's, it's so funny now to think, cause you could not imagine anyone else in that role. But at the time it was not a shoe in that he was going to get the role, but certainly I don't think any of us would ever imagine anyone else. And he just owned that role with such authority um, and did such a great job with it. But it's, if you'd go back in time, you know, and there were plenty of people at the time. It was like, oh, bald captain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's just well, a little a little background on on how that happened. It was that. And it was also all the fans who loved the original series and were just yes. not going to have anything to do with the next generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think yeah. when when next gen came out, uh, Star Trek four either was about to come out or had come out. I think it had come out, um, and it was a resounding success at the box office. Right. So people were kind of like, ah, I don't know. Um, well, and even the original cast, the the toss, right. the uh, original series cast, were like, well, why are they making a show without us? It's not going to work. Right. Although DeForest Kelly was in the first episode, right? Well, D was good friends true. with uh, Roddenberry. Right. So he was able to talk him into but a see, then cameo. Kate- then came Star Trek V, and that took care of all that. <laughs> and then the next gen became popular. Oh, that's why they're doing next gen. Okay. Uh, you know, I remember watching Encounter at Farpoint, and, and I was I was part of those fans that didn't want anything to do with the next generation. I was very critical of uh, Encounter at Farpoint when it first came out. I didn't like the Q character. Um, I didn't either. Yeah, but he, be, he became he became like a mainstay through the series, right? He, he I mean, would he would be in at least one episode 
a, a season. Yeah. Um, and he did grow on me. So, Walker, what did you think when it first came out? Did you watch it when it first? Yes, I was I was in college and a group mm. of us gathered and uh, I think it was the place I was in and we watched it. And uh, I, I did not warm up to it. And I'll tell you my one of my main issues. Mm-hmm. And this is because, you know, I grew up with Captain Kirk. Right. And I remember Picard. Uh, um, surrendering the ship and I was like what the I was like what the, what is he doing you don't surrender the ship you find a way to win what the hell is he doing and I was just like oh this guy this guy sucks <laughs> and it took it took a, maybe a season or more before I was like okay I like and, I, and the older I've gotten the more I've grown to respect and and admire Captain Picard, but at the time I was just like, oh no, he gave up the ship. I can't respect this guy. So it took a while to win me over. You know, that's a good point. Uh, That that kind of uh, set me off too, but it was also a different setup to Star Trek. You know, the only other Star Trek before this was the original series. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the Menagerie had come later. So my first introduction to Star Trek was um, The Devil in the Dark. And, and Kirk was already an established captain on the ship. His crew, you know, they've already been in space for a number of uh, years. And and so there was a rapport and all that set up. It was different. to and, and I appreciate this more now than I did at the time. Picard having to come on the ship, introduce himself to his officers, go pick up his first officer that was on another, you know, planet. Mm-hmm. Um, building this crew as you were or, or acclimating to the crew. Um, so watching it now through a different set of eyes, um, it, it is uh, it is a lot of fun, actually. I think. Yeah. No, it's different seeing it uh, now as opposed to the first time you see it. So, so Chief Engineer Bob had an assignment because it had been a while since he'd seen any Next Generation episodes. Did you get to watch the encounter at Farpoint, uh, Chief? I had watched it previously, not too long ago. Okay. And uh, but I did go through some other key Picard. You know, it's funny you say Picard episodes of Next Generation. Well, technically, every episode is a Picard <laughs> episode. So you know, you have to kind of pare it down to. I mean, you guys gave me some suggestions. I looked up some others, and yeah, I watched maybe a dozen, but. I mean, I you know I remember I watched Next Generation when it was on you know religiously every every week. What did you think of it when it first came out? I mean, were you like, who the hell are these people? Where's Kirk and Spock? You or know, were you like, yay? A new it was Star funny because back then I was kind of more of a quote Trekkie than I am now. Hmm. Yeah, uh, that's before you know before I totally embraced Godzilla and Ultraman and that. But <laughs> I you know I I would go to the Star Trek conventions and all that, and I know like at one point. Uh, I think it was Paramount was going to create their own network. Yeah. And they were going to do a Star Trek series with the original crew. Right. And then that eventually became Star Trek, the motion picture. Right. Well, so I'd already kind of been acclimated to, oh yeah, they're going to do a TV show. But when Next Generation came out, a whole new crew, I think I was just more excited that there was going to be a weekly Star Trek series back on the air. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't have to wait two years for another movie. It's like, ah, you know, every week there'll be Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I watched the first episode, and I think, you know, what really almost turned me off 
was like the second, there was two things. One was the second episode, which was sort of like, uh, Cadet Teddy didn't like it either. He wasn't even alive back then. Um, the second episode. Yeah. Well, yeah, the second episode, which was basically their take on naked time, right? Right. Yeah. It was almost like they were forcing us to invest in these characters through a plot that was used in the original series. That kind of turned me off. And then they also were trying to force the McCoy-Spock dynamic into the first Doctor and Data. But instead of this kind of, you know, back and forth that McCoy and Spock had, it just looked like this Doctor was just picking on Data every episode. Or the second or Pulaski, doctor. yeah, the, yeah. the, the they, second yeah. doctor. Then they have to like they had to replace him with Gates McFadden or whatever. But you know, but yeah, I mean, it almost seemed like they were very awkwardly trying to find their footing mm-hmm. in the first mm-hmm. few episodes. And as far as Picard goes, he was this uh, kind of you know, you know, he's this bald British upscale guy that. You know, as a Kirk fan, you we'd sit there and say, "Oh, he could never fight a Gorn." But, <laughs> but you know, he was a totally different character than Kirk. You know, and he proved it over time. You know, he was more someone who would reason it out. Kirk was more, you know, duke it out. Right. But, um, but no, I mean, Picard definitely. I mean, Patrick Stewart by far is a better actor than most anyone else in any of the Star Trek series. So that yeah, you know, at least had that going for it, and then uh, yeah, the character grew on me over time. Mm. But it, it's funny how they changed him because, like, if you watch that first episode, he has that whole uh, talk with Riker where he's like, "I don't like being around children, and you're going to have to make me look good around kids." And I was like, "Wow, what is wrong with this guy?" Right. <laughs> and you know, later on, he he loosens up. He's he's always dignified you know he always maintains a, a, a dignity as the captain but uh, initially he came off as sort of a cold person and uh, he lost that over the seasons he became more warm you could see more compassionate side to him but initially it was kind of like wow they're kind of making the captain a, a very um, kind of unpleasant person initially and uh, I think they you know wisely they kind of moved away from that yeah you know there was a later episode where um picard was going on a mission and they brought in a replacement captain and i can't think of the captain's name or the episode but was he it was, the ronnie cox yeah captain? very yeah. strict very you know just rubbed the whole crew the wrong way right and it was kind of like wow that's kind of like how picard started out (laughs) you know um before he built that trust and rapport and that's a good point karen you know one of the first episodes i think where i i kind of liked picard a little more because he wasn't such an ass was the dixon hill episode Mm. that he actually wanted to you know have a little adventure outside of being captain of a starship 
like Captain of a Starship is not an adventure in right? itself. Right? Mean, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> there was, you're living the adventure. A, a, a bit of an escape. It's like, you know, taking a walk at work. I love my job, but I like taking a walk. Um, it humanized him a little more for me, yes. I think. Um, for me, one of the best, uh, well, I shouldn't say best. There's, there's a lot of best episodes with Picard. But it was... Um, Famica, I think her last name's Jameson, and she was a um, alien who was in this cocoon who was going to be betrothed oh. to right. this king or prince on this planet. And she comes out of stasis early and she's an empath. And so whoever she's going to marry, she will empath, uh, she'll meld with them and just be that perfect mate. And, um, you know, they're, they're very uh, careful because she's starting to try and empath imprint on people. And so it's like Worf. No, no, don't have Worf, you know, <laughs> hang out with her. Um, you know, the guys in the mess hall. No, no, get her out of 10 forward. And so they bring her data. And, and you know, she can't imprint anything off of data. But Picard had to show her. Um, this is how you're going to be a diplomat. This is how you're going to do your mission. This is how whatever. Because the person she was with, um, that was her guide. Didn't he get stabbed or something, Walker? Something happened to him. He was incapacitated. Yeah, I can't recall. So Picard had to step in and she imprints on Picard. And, and they fall in love in the span of that episode. But she understands. You know, there's a speech at the end, the, the duty and the mission because she imprinted that from Picard. So she will go and use her empathic ability to be that wife that that ruler of that planet needs to keep peace between their people. But she and Picard will always be, you know, the the the, the item, the pair, the whatever. Um, that spoke to his, you know, you give up everything for the mission. You know, he's a Starfleet officer. It, it just built on who Picard was. We're starting to get layers onto that character now. That was an episode that did that for me. See, Kirk used to do that all the time. <laughs> I think every woman he met had some kind of empathic uh, ability and latched onto him. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so but, uh, so you I know, guess Picard had to have that once in a while. That, I, well, and that came in later. Uh, Couldn't <laughs> fight a Gorn, but at least he could. Yeah. <laughs> What about you, Karen? What were some some standout episodes in either the first or second season that kind of built uh, on the on the blocks that would become uh, Picard? Well, I think for me, one of the big standouts in the early seasons was uh, in season two, um, Measure of a Man, oh, which yes. was where Starfleet, uh, they wanted to basically take Data apart and figure out how to make more of him. Yeah. And uh they had to have a trial, and so Picard defended him. And it, I think it really spoke uh, to a lot about, again, Picard's humanity, but his sense of justice mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, looking at... Uh, he has a wonderful uh, uh, talk with Guinan in that episode where he realizes that what will happen if they make more of Data, they'll be making like a slave race. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Patrick Stewart is so wonderfully expressive. He doesn't even have to say things for you to understand what, you know, what he's feeling. He's such a good actor. And the look on his face when she says, you know, that, oh, it'll be like a, a race of 
workers or whatever. And she, he goes, well, no, I don't think it'll be. And then he realizes, oh, yeah, they'll be like slaves. They'll do all the things we don't want to do. They'll be in danger. They'll. And then he argues very passionately in Data's uh, behalf. And uh, you just get to see like what a, an upstanding person he is, you know, what a how Picard has such a strong sense of right and wrong. And uh, that was, you know, that was like we said, you know, the first couple of seasons, they were really trying to find their footing. And that was a standout episode. Well, for um, me for in that episode, seasons. it was like Riker's situation. That was a very bad situation. His, him, well, yeah, because he had to be the prosecutor and he was forced into it, even though he he refused it. But it's like, OK, if you if you go into this and I think you're not doing your best to, to <laughs> represent the prosecution, I'll just call this trial and data will be dismantled and blah, right. blah, blah. So he had to try his best to convict data just to save him. So it's almost like he's trying to save him by condemning him. Yeah. And he even has that scene at the end with Data where he comes back in and trying to apologize and Data realized, you know, that he actually saved him by going through with it and doing it. Yeah, well, it was a great episode all the way around. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think another good season two episode uh for Picard is uh, Samaritan Snare. Um, not that's the one that has. Uh, oh my gosh, what are those aliens called? The binary. They 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 seem like they're um, really stupid, and they steal oh, Jordy. The Packlids. The Packlids. Yes. We are smart. Oh my gosh, we are smart. I I don't care for it that much <laughs> for that part, but there's a whole thing where. Um, Picard and uh, Wesley go off to this star base. Wesley has to do some Starfleet Academy thing, and Picard has to have surgery on his... Uh, this is where we learn that he has an artificial heart. Mm. And we get some of this story about how he was sort of a rough-and-tumble guy in his Academy days, and later on we get that whole episode tapestry where we see what oh, happened. Man. But he has a nice connection with Wesley. That's where you start to see him break down a little bit and not be such a an a-hole <laughs> and show a little bit of his more human side and talk about how you know uh yeah i was kind of a jerk when i was a younger guy and i had to go through a lot of things to kind of teach me some lessons and stuff so i thought that was a good episode yeah that was um you know because there was always this thing about being responsible for the death of wesley's Father, and it was a kind of a guilt thing, you know. Yet, yeah, Wesley looked up to him as you know, you're Jean Luc Picard, you know, you're not the killer of my father. You're so that was a touching episode, too. Well, that relationship, people love to crap on, on Wesley now. Um, but I that was a really interesting, you know, he had some Picard had some very core relationships on the show, and mm -hmm. the, the relationship with Wesley really, um, evolved well how it went from sort of like get off my bridge Wesley to yeah. you know shut up Wesley <laughs> you know at the end he's sort of like I'm so proud of you getting in the academy and then the whole thing where Wesley was cheating with that one group oh, yes. of cadets and how disappointed Picard was in him and you know it's like yeah. wow it's just so uh you know, you could you could feel from both sides, like, you know, as you're older, you could feel like that sense of like how you would feel if 
your protege kid, whatever, did something like that. But you also have that sense of like how you wouldn't want to disappoint someone you respect, a parent right. or whoever. Um, so, yeah, that was that was really well done. And then uh, also thinking about some of the other relationships, like how they managed to have Picard's relationship with Worf grow and change over time, you know, and mm-hmm. he uh, went in and, and was like the arbiter for the whole Klingon civil war and all that stuff. You know, it was great, great stuff there. It was, I, you know, I think, yeah, yeah, I, I think that was a turning point for him. Um, he understood, maybe didn't agree with everything that the Klingon culture uh, stood for, but he understood where Worf fit in and he respected the decision that Worf would make to be, you know, turned away from the the Empire and his father, uh, you know, be this bastard traitor. Um, he supported Worf in the decision that he made. Now, when, when Worf's, uh, the mother of his child, was killed by Duras... And mm-hmm. Worf went and, you know, took off his communicator and seeked revenge and he kills Duras. You know, Picard hands him his ass and, you know, yeah. you are a Federation officer, you know, and if you cannot, you know, this, that and the other. And he was afraid that Worf would quit Starfleet, but he told him, I'm, I'm glad you're not quitting. And, you know, this will stay on your record and, you know, dismissed. And, you know, he was his friend, but he was still his captain, you know, and there was yeah. that respect uh, and bond that I think all the characters had Riker, Troy, uh, uh, you know, um, Jordy, Jordy, all of them. There's that, yeah. There's that deep respect, you know, that's earned. Uh, you know, that he he's going to be straight with them. He's not going to mess around. But he's you know he's going to be hard at times. Yeah. But you know, that's uh, you can admire that. Well, I agree. I'm not sure if you caught this episode or not, Bob, because I know we gave you a ton of episodes like, oh, you got to watch this. Oh, you got to watch that. (laughs) This was the captain's holiday. And I want to say it was in season three. And a lot of people don't enjoy. I don't think they made fun of Picard as much as they had fun with the Picard character. Um, They go to the uh, pleasure planet Risa and his first officer, Riker, tells Picard when you go down there seek out the Tet Utat is that what it is bring me back a souvenir oh I was just trying to remember uh, the little statue he gives him is it it's not a horgon is it Uh, horgon and and maybe Tet Utat is the ritual but anyway it's basically a sexual relationship with you know it's a pleasure (laughs) planet and the Rysons are pleasurable people and Picard figures out figures out what Riker was asking him to to do and he's like oh Riker, <laughs> you bastard. So he hides the Horgon because uh, when you display it, it means you you want Jahamaharan, which is, you know, whatever that is on Risa. And uh, so he hides that. But Picard uh, also meets a love interest for the first time that I can recall in the series, Vosh. And um, they go on an archaeological expedition and there's some time travel involved. But we also find out that Picard likes archaeology which there's stories about that later on in the series so again we're building layers on this captain you know we find out in a later episode that he has a saddle on board the ship that he likes to go horseback riding 
that he also likes to fencing. He fences with Guinan in one episode. Well, he so, went horseback riding with Kirk, right? He mm-hmm. in generations <laughs> he went horseback riding with Kirk. They actually used Shatner's horses. So I enjoyed Captain's Holiday. I thought it was a good episode that built up on on who Picard was. Not really a love interest per se, but it was Deanna Troy's mother who was another it was a comical relationship again because she had the hots for Jean Luc. And and he'd you know get embarrassed. Oh, it's Lois Hanna, please I don't you know. <laughs> Um, well, it, it gave him a chance to do comedy, which was fun, right? You know, in in um in a right in a fun way, in a way that didn't like deminimize wh- who the character was, you know, mm-hmm. um, making him have just, fun rather than poking fun at him. Well, I mean, this like this was not an episode that I watched this time around, but I do remember one where he developed quite a bond with Sarek. Oh, yeah. yeah. Towards the end of Sarek's life. And uh, it turned out that Picard was like the only one he trusted to, you know, come in and, you know, like I say, vague memories, but yeah, that, that was a standout. That was a good episode. Mm-hmm. But I always kind of go back to the Borg because you got that two parter where Picard is kidnapped by the Borg and turned into Locutius. And, or Locutus, mm-hmm. and uh, not only was that a two-parter, but I think it, aside from who shot Jr., that was one of the few two-parters that took place over the end of one season and the beginning of the next cliffhanger, which oh, is yeah. like cliche now. Yeah. But back then, you know, that was like a big cliffhanger. That was so cool because they had the music dun 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 dun, and mm, right yeah. there's like fire, fire, yeah. and boom, that's the end of the episode. Right. But, oh, yeah. So and then, you know, they came back, but not only, and it wasn't just like, okay, we got him back and we pulled all the Borg parts off and everything's great and go on with the series. He had to like take shore leave and go home and well, that's reconnect with his family. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, and then he still, I think for a few episodes past that, he still had issues. And there was even that episode, I Borg, mm-hmm. where they brought the uh, one Borg, the younger Borg. Hugh. On board, Hugh, mm-hmm. and uh, Kirk wants nothing. Uh, Kirk, Picard, Picard <laughs> wants nothing. See, Kirk would have just kicked his ass. Picard wanted nothing to do with him until he'd met him. But then, but when he's trying to quote interrogate him, he comes out and says, "You know, I am Locutus," and you know, trying to give him orders to see if he would follow them. But he was more, kind of more loyal to Jordy at that point. You will assimilate. Right. I will not. Why? Jordy is my friend. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, but that's just the thing. It's like, okay, it wasn't just a one-off, boom, we're done. It wasn't like, you know, Kirk disguised himself as a Romulan, they bobbed his ears, it's all good, <laughs> you know. It's like, uh, it stayed with him, you know, for... Kirk asks Hugh, you said you have a queen? That's right. <laughs> well, it even goes into, uh, what was the uh, Star, the star Trek with the Borg? It was the first, yeah, contact, first contact? Uh-huh. Where it's still... With him, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's something that essentially affected him for the rest of his life. Well, and, well, I'm, you know, it seems like it's going to be a focal point for the Picard series. I, I would say well, so. Well, well, seven of nines in that, right? I, I, yeah. Yes. Seven and of Hugh. Nine. And, and Hugh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see that Hugh was going to be in it. Hugh's part of it. Wow. Yeah. So, um, 
with his all his most of his Borg stuff removed, so yeah. he's uh, mostly human. I think. It'll be interesting to see how he comes back because he went off with the Borg at the end of the episode. Well, he showed up again in a, another episode later on when uh, Data's brother Lore had yeah. got gotten hold of a group of Borg. Yeah. Um, and he was much more human, although he still had all his Borg, Borg attachments, parts. but yeah. personality-wise, he was more human. And that was so. a two-parter, too, that story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, You know, him going back to the farm and, and you know, having this discussion with his brother... And they, you know, finally like wrestle in the mud. Right. And he says to Jean-Luc, this will be with you for a long time, Jean-Luc, a long time. And, you know, even with Deanna Troy, I don't think he really discussed what the Borg did to him or how they affected him. It was his brother who who admittedly he didn't have the best relationship with. <laughs> but it was still God to this day is just such a well-written, well-acted show. Yeah. Um, and you have to figure that episode was nothing like Star Trek. It didn't take no. place in space. It wasn't on an alien planet. It no. wasn't there. Was, mm-hmm. You know, it was like just a character on Earth with his family. You well, could you know watch. What? Oh, go ahead, Karen. Sorry. I was just going to say, and, and the thing is, is the guys, the writers who um, put that together, uh, they they received a lot of pushback on it just because of that, because the, mm. the producers would say, ah, it's not very Star Trek. There's no, do we really need this episode? But they really fought for it because they said, no, we need this for Picard. We need to show, you know, what he's dealing with yeah. after... Because, you know, this was back in the day before, you know, every TV show was serialized and every episode followed on the impacts of the previous episode. Mm -hmm. And they felt really strongly like, no, we need to show he's dealing with what happened to him. And we have to show that, you know, because it's important. And so they had to fight for that episode. And, you know, thank God they did because it's a great episode. uh, But it almost didn't get made. I think you could watch that episode without watching what happened to him. And it'd still have an impact. It's that well acted and well written. Mm-hmm. And Karen, you bring up a good point. Uh, I'd have to look at the episode guide, but I know we got the best of both worlds part two. It resolved the whole uh, Locutus thing. Sleep, Data, sleep. Data puts the Borg mm-hmm. to sleep, not Picard. And then there's an episode after that that is not Picard going to the farm, but you know, there's a space mission. It's the no, it's second. Family. What's that? Family family does come right after um, Best of Both Worlds. I remember is, it coming well, after an episode. I yeah. guess I'm, my memory's... Oh, it's, yeah, it's Best of Both Worlds. And then, like, as soon as the second episode, it's the first episode of that season was over, and he was done with the Borg, then he went home. I, I, yeah. I could swear yeah. that it was an episode and then the family episode, but... I am well, I am the, mistaken. Fa- in the family episode there's also a side story with Wesley trying to learn more about his father and there's oh, stuff the on the hologram. Yeah. Maybe you're thinking of that. Maybe well, I I just maybe I watched it on network television and it bleached my mind clean, so. But anyway, I don't want to take away from, from they what just the family episode was. Uh, so yeah, so impactful. Yeah. Um, 
Damrock was another good one. Darmok. Darmok, sorry. At Tanagra. <laughs> His arms wide. Well, that's just the thing. It's like, you know, this whole race is speaking in not just metaphorical terms, but meta- metaphorical terms based on their mythology. Mm. That if you don't know what the heck their mythology is, <laughs> how are you going to figure this out? You know, and Picard, over the course of the episode, finally, you know, figures it out and he's able to go at the end and talk to them and, you know, stop because Riker's ready to just blow him up. <laughs> and Picard comes on the bridge and starts talking to him in their metaphorical language. And they're like, okay, fine. And off they go. But yeah, that's a great episode talking to the, to the captain, Tamarian, the Tamarian captain about Gilgamesh and, and building that bond you know, but then the captain also sharing fire with Picard. I thought it was funny that here's the captain of the Starship Enterprise can't start a campfire. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, was it Paul Winstead who played the Winfield? Uh, Winfield, yeah, played mm-hmm. the captain there. Captain who Terrell. was also in Con. Yeah. Well, yep. Um, they they love to bring played. him back. Yeah, I think that's the first episode where Jean Luc got his jacket. Oh, the jacket is so cool. Yeah. The jacket was cool, and then he took it off for a little bit and put it back on again. It's like, oh, get that jacket on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd go back. That's probably his, his equivalent to Kirk's kind of wraparound the little, shirt yeah. thing. <laughs> yep. yep. The, the captain's got to have something different from everybody else, you know? Yeah. you got to have your own thing. Being captain I, has his privileges. Well, another good one was uh, the chain of command. Oh, uh, yeah. Two-parter. You know, he goes on the secret mission with uh, Worf and Beverly, gets captured by the Cardassians. And uh, then you've got, uh, oh, gosh, I'm going to forget his name, David, he, uh, the actor, famous British actor. Should have wrote it in the notes, Larry. I didn't write it in the notes. <laughs> um, but uh, he tortures Picard. And, uh, you know, we see the, the captain, uh, you know, on the brink um, because, you know, torture, no matter how strong a person you are, eventually, um, you know, you'll succumb. It's just a, it's, you know, horrible thing that happens in a war. Um, this is but, in chain of it, command? Walker? What? what? Th- this is in chain of command? Yeah. This is and this is also where the Ronnie Cox character comes in. Yeah. The captain. Captain Jellico. Jellico. That's right. David Warner. David Warner. See the brain cells. They're starting go. fire now. Here we go. Gul Madrid. Gul Madrid, yes. And so yeah, and that's where we get the famous, you know, there are four lights yes. uh, statement. But such a, a great uh, episode about torture and violations in war and, and all that. Um, and you know, Patrick Stewart, I mean, a dude, uh, I, I don't know, naked or almost naked in a scene. So, you know, brave move on his part. Um, <laughs> there, there is but, a picture, uh, online cause I was doing research on this. Um, and it reminds me of Austin Powers cause the chair is placed just so Picard's junk's not shown. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's a really affecting, uh, episode i mean it's it's the second half is really you know there's some rough stuff in there it's kind of hard to see the captain going through you know but uh he maintains again his dignity you know he's got that dignity 
Um, but that, like he tells Troy at the end, he would have told, he was at that point where he would have told them anything they wanted to hear. Yep. You know, he was right, right there, right at the edge. He, I so. believe that it's something to the effect that, you know, I, I think there were five lights. Yeah. You know, where, yeah. where he, they, they, you know, one more day and, and he would have said it. Yep. Um, I'm a fan of the inner light. Um, there's a probe it flashes uh, a light and Picard bam is transferred to another life um, I think his name was Galen yeah and um, can't think of the name of the planet but he learns how to play the flute he has a wife he has a kid his son is actually played by his real life son and he lives an entire lifetime. He outlives his wife. And then I think the star goes supernova and uh, the race uh, dies. Uh, but Picard has memories of who the species and the race were. And um, the probe opens up and sends over the flute that he played as that alternate person, Galen. And forever forward he plays the flute um it, it was cool to see patrick stewart play picard as a different person still in the persona of of picard i thought yeah it's i don't know i i like the episode i guess the only thing is i kind of feel like it's not really about picard i've always felt like it's about a different character but it's still a it's still a really you know it's a beautiful story yeah yeah, that is true. It's it's not a Picard story, but I think it does. Well, it adds that he starts playing the flute. <laughs> I know it's it's another layer to the character because they continue that um, later on. Well, another. And it, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say another good episode is Tapestry. Oh yeah. Um, and you kind of talked about that earlier, Karen. So why don't you kind of give a little background on the Tapestry story? Well, I think it's sort of like a Star Trek's version of It's a Wonderful Life, you, you know, go. because uh. Q sort of gives Picard that option of, you know, changing things in the past. You know, we all have those, well, or many of us have those critical junctures where you think, you know, well, if I'd only done this or that. And so Q sort of gives him the opportunity to go back and change a critical point and for him you know, the incident where he uh, got wounded, where he he had to have the surgery to uh, get the artificial heart. He fought the Nausicans. With the Nausicans, yes. yes, They really, you play Domjack? Play Domjack, human. Yeah. No, I don't think so. (laughs) He, yeah, with his older, wiser self, he goes back into that time period. And no, he's not going to fight them. He's Jean Picard. He's not going to get in a fight. But then by doing that, he has this really kind of boring, unadventurous life. It's kind of funny to see him like in a science uniform. And he goes to Riker and Troy like, oh, do you think there's a chance I might be a captain? And Riker's like, no, no. It's not going to happen. Yeah. You <laughs> never take like, no. risks, Jean-Luc. You don't, you know. And that's the thing. You know, you realize that, that you know, some of the things that have happened to you in your life that might have seemed negative or, or uh, you know, were failures or whatever, you, those are the things you learned from. And that's how you became the person you are. You know, I need my pain. Right. Exactly. Uh, 
So I, I just thought that was a, a brilliant episode. It, it ended so poignantly with him telling Riker, look, I don't know if I was unconscious and I dreamed this because he got shot. They were on an away mission and, and his heart pump yeah, got fused for, or something like that. Thanks for filling that in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know. And, and, but Q, you know, shows up and says, well, Jean-Luc, you know, you can, you can not fight the Noskins or you can. And so, um, it ends with him telling Riker, you know, was it real? Was it not? I don't know. But what I do know is that by looking at the tapestry of my life and cutting and pulling on a few loose threads, rather than tidying up and cleaning up the tapestry, I unwove my life. And so, right, I, I need my pain. I, I am what mm-hmm. I am because of the sum of my parts. Brilliant, brilliant. And that's all what I am. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> there we go. Wow, Popeye makes a reappearance. <laughs> that's right. But it's, yeah, it's so true. And, you know, we think of Picard as this guy, you know, Mr. Steady, Mr. Calm and Cool, and to see him as a young man being kind of a jerk, it, you know, it was a great uh, great way to tell that that story. Yeah. And also just a great, you know, I think we all have those things where we realize, you know, oh man, I, I can't believe I used to be like that. Or I, I'm glad I'm not, you know, crazy like that or I, <laughs> whatever. Right. That, that smile that Riker has on his face. I would like to hear about a brass young Picard fighting three Nausicans <laughs> at once. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, <clears throat> after you watch the original Star Trek, Riker is more what you would think of as a captain type in Star Trek than Picard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's almost like casting against type. Right. But but you still had him there. But yeah, he was always happy being number one. So it'll be interesting in the Picard series to see where Riker took his career. I mean, I know at the end of the movies, um, he, he was going to get his commission. But I think, I think it was also in the episode where he's trying to prosecute data or whatever. Wasn't that the one where he keeps getting questioned why he is not? Oh, no, that was when the... Uh, the Best of both worlds. That's right, where uh, they come in and he keeps getting questioned why he's not taking all these commands that are offered to him. He right. keeps opting to stay on the Enterprise where he's yeah. comfortable and where he knows his place. Yeah. No, it's, it's you know, it's good. It's another good character. If they ever do a Riker series, we'll... Uh, <laughs> we'll cover him. Well, I'm pretty sure he's like directing quite a few of the episodes on Picard. He's directed yeah. some uh, Discovery episodes, and I think he's uh, well. He's directing at least one episode, maybe more, of Picard. Yeah, I'm not sure how many episodes three, there are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and he, boy, he, you know, Jonathan Frakes is a cool guy. He's very friendly and everything, and I, I like him a lot. But apparently, he has loose lips. And uh, he he has leaked a lot of stuff, first with Discovery, and I guess he's they're trying to keep a lid on him with Picard, but uh, he can't help himself. So he, he's, he's, he's kind of the Tom stuff. Holland of uh, uh, Star Trek. Then. <laughs> Note to self: Don't follow Frake's Twitter feed. <laughs> but uh, he's he's a super friendly guy. If you meet him at his big his stuff. big stumble was the Thunderbirds movie. Uh. Yeah, he's not too happy about that, but. Oh. But well, he's, that's, that's you know, he's done a then. ton of TV directing. And he, Jeannie Francis is his wife. So, Well, hell, he was he was directing episodes of Next Generation when he was on them. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was one so. of the first actors to do that. 
smart guy to move over to directing, you know? Um, well, so so we're, we're, we're already in the sixth season. Should we move over to the seventh season? Uh, I think so. Uh, uh, the only episode I really have on my mind from the seventh season is all good things. But if you guys have other stuff from that season, I'm, I'm thinking away. the same thing. I mean, there were, you know, some good moments, but the key moments uh, for that final season would be the last episode. All good things. Yeah. You get a chance to watch that one, Bob. I did not see that one. So refresh our memories. Um, basically Q returns. Um, mm-hmm takes Picard through a non-linear adventure where it's Picard from Encounter at Farpoint, Picard in his current time, and Picard in the future. And uh, young Picard has all the memories of current Picard as well as future Picard they all start remembering each other's memories as they continue living lives in those. They, they kind of split Picard into three separate Picards. And there's a mystery that Q puts forward to him. There's this um, temporal, is it a temporal rift, Walker? Some kind of rift uh, in space. Yeah. An energy it's rift of some kind. Temporal bubble or something. Temporal yeah. bubble, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Some techno jargon. Right. Maybe. Insert techno babble there. And uh, Jean-Luc has to figure out what to do. Uh, in the future, the hole is getting larger. In the past, it's smaller. Or maybe it's backwards or, you know, it's bigger in the past, smaller in the future. I don't know. And anyway, he's dealing with Q in between all this. But he's he's um, talking to members of the crew in the in the past, and he's he has this rapport with them that they don't quite understand. It's like, wow, the captain's really loose with you know how he's <laughs> talking to us. Whereas in the future, Worf has become a diplomat and gone to the Klingon Empire. He's no longer with Starfleet. Riker is an admiral. Beverly's a captain. Uh, Data's a professor at Cambridge. <laughs> so. Uh, Go ahead, Walker. What, what 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 do you take away from that episode? Oh, well, yeah, it's just interesting to see where, you know, obviously um, the interesting where people wound up in the future, but then also the reactions in the past, because that Picard knows everything that right. has happened already. He's very shaken by seeing Tasha Yar. Mm. Um, he... Uh, he keeps expecting things to go the way they did in the past and they're not because, you know, Q has changed some things. Um, and then he starts telling the crew to, you know, to do these things because he knows what's going to happen. He's anticipating things and they think he's erratic. Yeah. <laughs> they don't trust him. Uh, you know, the, the stuff that happens in the future, we see a, a Picard who, um, you know, he's been told he has this disease. Is it eremotic ir- syndrome? Oh, that's I think right. Is, is yeah, what yeah, it is. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which sounds like basically sort of a, a dementia or something. Like he's going to wind up with dementia. Right. So when Jordy shows up, he and Picard is you know talking about these temporal lapses. Jordy just thinks he's 
maybe, you know, losing it. But then Jordy is like, well, it's the captain. So, okay, what do you want to do? Okay, all right, we're going to go visit Data. Oh, now you want a spaceship. Okay, we're going to go get a spaceship. You know, and <laughs> it's just this loyalty to the guy, you know, which was really touching. It was like, even though they're kind of doubting that anything he says is true. Yeah. They have so much loyalty and respect for him that they're willing to – and he's really cantankerous as an old man. He's always like yelling and stuff, which is not the way our John Luke is. Right. You know? um, but he's so confused too because the, the temporal anomaly is kind of affecting his, his judgment or his perception of, of space and time. So he's kind of erratic. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it was interesting to see the relationships and how they all reacted. You know, the, the time thingy seemed sort of MacGuffin-ish to me. It was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, some sort of time thingy's going on, okay. Yeah. Um, I think the big payoff, though, is that last scene, which still, oh. when I watch it, I start to, to get a little bit, <gasps> yeah. <gasps> get a little weepy. Um, with the the car the poker table and everything it's like you know if you've ever been a part of a a group and you realize like oh this moment is only going to occur now this is it yeah you know and it was like wow seeing him sitting down and you know you're always welcome it's like okay because throughout the series Riker would always have a poker game and yeah there were comical moments where you know Worf would you know get all upset and fold you know you can't bluff a Klingon <laughs> need look at data you know even uh, Miles O'Brien played poker with them at one point in time before he went to Deep Space Nine Counselor Troy the Doctor different people Jordy uh, but never Jean-Luc and it was only after he went through that time mystery whatever that he sat down and you know he, he says I should have done this a long time ago yeah so I'm getting a yeah. little verklempt myself here. So. <laughs> <sighs> um, You know, and they could have just ended Star Trek The Next Generation there, but they did not. They went on to do Generations. Uh, love it or leave it. They did it. I, you know, I'm okay with Generations. I hated that they killed off Jean-Luc's brother, sister-in-law, and nephew in a fire. <laughs> It, it, yeah. it did nothing to for the character for the movie. Why? Uh, Generations was it was like a big long TV episode. I mean, it was well, a, yeah, it wasn't a movie. It didn't seem like a, it was a long it was a bad payoff after generate after um, all good things. Well, I mean, even after uh, First Contact, you know, First Contact had the Borg. It was a little exciting, you know. I was okay with with that. And say what you I will about Nemesis, but oh. First Contact was a good movie. Yeah, I, I liked it. I I think First Contact was exciting. Um, yeah, Nemesis. You I, know, I did not like Nemesis. Some point in time, we need to talk about Data because what how they ended Data. Oh, it sucked. Yeah, I mean the the person next to Picard who had the best episodes, maybe some episodes better than Picard's, was Data. Mm-hmm. And how that character grew, uh, and just hi, I'm Beta or whatever B nine or B four B four. There you go. B, yeah, B is that what it was? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. B Oh, sorry, Blooper. <laughs> bleep me. Um, anyway, um, and well, then, I mean, I I haven't seen Nemesis in a long time, but I just remember being one of the few that actually liked it. 
So I'll have to, I'll have to revisit. I got to revisit it, it the, again. It was the dune buggy race, wasn't it? <laughs> I think so. Well, now you know how I feel with Batman v Superman. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to that part in our podcast. Uh, where we will go over our sensor sweep this episode. I believe it is Karen's uh, sensor sweep. Take it away. It's my turn. It's my turn. <laughs> uh, well, make it so. <laughs> oh, there you go. That was perfect. Um, appropriately for our Star Trek themed episode here, um, there's a couple of books that I think any Star Trek fan would, would find enjoyable. Um, two books, they go together, called The 50-Year Mission. The first book is called The 50-Year Mission, The First 25 Years, and the second book is The 50-Year Mission, The Next 25 Years. And these are by Mark A. Altman and Edward Gross. And uh, they're essentially oral histories of Star Trek. So oh. these gentlemen went and they interviewed all sorts of folks, writers, producers, actors uh, on Star Trek. And you get the real deal, the real lowdown on everything that happened uh, from the original series through Next Gen, DS9, all the way through Voyager. And uh, I found these, well, and I think even, yeah, to, to the J.J. Abrams movies. So I, I found these very, very entertaining. Hmm. Um, you know, even stuff, I've been reading Star Trek. I've been reading Star <laughs> Trek books since I was nigh upon, you know, so I've been reading a lot of Star Trek books, kids. Uh, but there was stuff in these books I had never heard before. So uh, highly recommended. I have the hardback editions, but I uh, have heard that there are paperback editions now. So anyway, get on out there, get yourself a copy or two or whatever, and uh, enjoy <laughs> the Star Trek lore. Thank you, Karen. Sir. I know this may finish me as an acting ensign, but shut up, Wesley. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.blogspot.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end. Son Ries, Blaschblanarmik, Karnik.
Ad Trasulah. Ras. Tras. Trasulah.